0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. The Film Rescue Show is a long-form podcast in which their crew and a guest fix a film every week. Want a good first episode? Check out episode 89 with Axel and myself, where we pitched fixes for the League of Extraordinary Drummond. Still waiting on that call, Warner Brothers. For fans of filmmaking, writing, and behind-the-scenes content, check out the Film Rescue Show on all your favorite podcasting sites today. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, The Darkest Timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is...
0: Lord Commander Ulrich. And no matter how many times we do that, that voice is still going to creep me out a little bit. Uh, You
1: know, I, I get why it creeps you out, because you're my brother, and you're used to my voice being like this... I'm curious what other people's opinion of my, uh, what I call my smooth jazz voice and what Ulrich calls my NPR voice, because I like doing it, and I would hope that some people would like hearing it. So,
0: anyway, how are you doing today, Ulrich? I already know, but I gotta ask contractually. (laughs) Contractually obligated ask. At this current time of recording, I'm good. All right. Well, then before we get into our topic for today, which is a meaty one, actually, I got to do
1: our Patreon sound off. And only do I have to do it contractually, I want to, because these people actually support us financially, and I am always flabbergasted at how cool that is. And these guys are awesome, and the least that we can do for them is say their names at the beginning of our recordings. And they are Pangali, Marquis. Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vennels, Kit Kenny, and Solomansky at time of recording. Now, if you'd like to become a member of that list, and I'll say your name out as well, or or depending on what we're recording, then head over to our Patreon at Geeks With Shields. I think it might be Patreon slash Geeks With Shields. I don't know how that actually works. or work deals with that. But anyway, dollar a month is at least 25 cents an episode. We tend to put out more than four things a month, but it's always at least four things a month. So, you know, it goes a long way towards helping us out. Anyway,
0: Ulrich, tell us what our meaty topic is today. All right, this is a good one, and I think will interest a lot of our listeners. We're going to talk about what is the appeal of film criticism. Like, why do we tune in to, you know, watch other people talk about movies? So I have a set of answers,
1: or at least important points, all ready to go. But I don't want to sound like, I don't know, smothering. So since you brought up the topic, because literally behind the scenes, like Ulrich said, hey, here are some topics. And I was like, all right, that sounds good. So, Ulrich, what what are your first thoughts when it comes to this uh, particular topic?
0: The main, like, I had to think, like, okay, why do I, you know, go and watch, we're going to do some plugs here, Movie Bob, or Chris Stuckman or Jeremy Johns? And it's typically because, well, on the surface, because I kind of want to know if this movie is entertaining or not. But a lot of times I'll watch ones of ones I know I'm going to see because like, I want to know what they think and then I want to know how it's going to contrast with what I think.
1: So I want to get this one right out of the way uh, immediately. I do not watch a review to figure out what my opinion is. That's very important. And I think anyone who does do that is misusing reviews. And I think any reviewer would tell you that's that's not what you should be doing. But yeah. I will watch a review first of all I like the difference between spoiler and spoiler-free reviews because I want a spoiler-free review to tell me if I should spend money on this thing, or at least how much money to spend on this thing. Usually, I will figure out if I want to see a movie on my own. Then I'll watch reviews, and if all the reviews are bad, I'm not going to go spend 12 to 14 bucks to see it because I have enough money trouble as it is, and I'm not going to spend that kind of money unless I already know I'm going to be relatively entertained. So... Again, I'm not saying that, like, a bunch of bad reviews makes me think the movie's bad. But it will make me think, all right, I'll wait till I can see that for, like, a dollar. Whereas if all the reviews are really good for something, I'd be like, well, okay, all the people that I tend to trust say this is good, which means that it probably deserves my money. So I
0: will spend this money to go make my own opinion of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I'm going to get your thought. Another side effect I found is a lot of times I will have critics – turn me on movies I would did not know were coming out or had no interest in. It's like, okay, they actually made a really poignant argument of why I should see this. I'm going to give it a chance. Well, in a similar vein to that, I've actually had this conversation about spoilers
1: with people before where spoilers don't actually turn me – or don't hurt me at all. There are actually several movies that are among my favorites that I would not have seen if it were not for spoilers. And the example I always use for this is Mother – because the trailers for Mother are terrible, and they were terrible. And literally, my friends and all and I saw the first trailer. We were—I don't know what movie we were watching—but we made fun of it because the trailer was so bad, so so p- bad to the point where I had zero interest to see it. And then I started hearing reviews that were like, "This movie is very divisive," and <laughs> and some of some of the people I like really liked it. And in the spoiler-free reviews. They were all very vague about it, and I was like, well, that's not really enough to convince me that I want to see it. And then I, because I wasn't interested in seeing it, I watched a spoiler review, which revealed the entire trick up Mother's Sleeve, which was so cool just to hear it. I was like, I'm going to go see that, and I went and saw it in theaters that weekend and loved it, even though I already knew the the card up its sleeve. So – so, yes, sometimes there are cases like what you just described where I generally would not have
0: seen a movie uh, without being turned on to it by some reviewers. There's an episode to be had on spoilers, but we're not here to talk about spoilers. We're here to talk about movie critics. And it's been it's been a thing since I want to say at least the 80s. People have had an interest in movie critics. I mean, Siskel and Eber oh, had a show for way, way farther, man. We have movie criticism and newspapers going back to like the 30s. So. Well, that's the thing. What I'm talking like is entertainment media, because you and I, I know, are both subscribed to movie review channels solely for the purpose of the entertainment of watching the reviews. Fair
1: enough, movies, which, which actually gets you us
0: to... Which actually get us to, there is a, a
1: line of demarcation between when we're talking about the review and criticism, because these yeah. are kind of separate ideas. And if we're talking about the, the appeal of film criticism, then one of the main things that comes to my mind is... I'm not a genius. I never claim to be a genius. I never claim to be able to see all angles on something. I am an existentialist. So I believe perspectives are oh great. Now I'm going to get people who actually know existentialism a lot better than <laughs> I do. I'm not a professional point is though, I believe that perspectives are important and I believe that everyone's perspectives are really shaped like what they know and what they think. So when I see a film, well, I'll use this as a very specific example. When I see a film, I my opinion of it is based on my perspective and my perception and you know my background, my history, and as objective, quote-unquote, as I want to be, which, by the way, objective criticism doesn't exist. It's a myth. It never, and it shouldn't, even if it could exist, it would be, not the point. So the point is that When I go and then watch other people, both people that I generally have similar opinions to and that I generally don't have similar opinions to, they are going to expose me to different ways of looking at the thing that I just saw. And that allows me to enrich how I think about it. And even if they, I've had several examples too, where I've watched something and they said what I already felt, but then they give me better language to describe how I'm feeling. Because that's not always an easy thing. So, like, an example of of both these things, right? Like, Sucker Punch is a great example with me and you, I think, where I thought Sucker Punch was fine, and then I watched a reviewer basically break down exactly what Sucker Punch was doing in a way that I did not consider at all. Basically, that it's a a movie that hates men, not women, which is what people think it was. But... And it goes into detail about like how it accomplishes this this kind of narrative or this kind of theme. And since I that was a way of looking at it that I had never even considered, it suddenly made me have a different kind of appreciation for what was going on. Or the Matrix. Similar thing. I've only just last year become aware of the apparently very well known interpretation of the Matrix as a trans narrative.
0: Yeah, I which missed I that sh- one too
1: yeah which i should have guessed based on the wachowski sisters but i i just never thought about it because i'm not trans i have trans friends but i'm still not trans so the thought never crossed my head but now that i have heard that that is my favorite
0: way to think about the matrix and it makes it way more interesting to me so yeah no i think you kind of know that i think the reason we have film critics outside the obvious is These are professionals that are better able to dissect and go, hey, did you notice this? And we go, I did notice that, but I didn't quite know what that meant. And now I do, and now I enjoy this product more. What's weird is I have a bad habit though of like,
1: I'll, I'll think of something and I'll feel a certain way. And then I'll watch, you know, like four or five of my favorite reviewers. And like I said, they'll give me language to use to describe how I feel. But sometimes it means I can't avoid just saying the same things they've said. I try very hard not to do that in recordings because I don't want to, like, accidentally plagiarize someone. But it sucks when literally it's like, all right, I feel this way, and this person literally said it better than how
0: I would have said it. So I just want to say it the way they said it. So. Ironically, that is how I first became a fan of Movie Bob was you love to quote him so I would go and watch his reviews beforehand so that I would know what you were going to say about the movie. Which is funny
1: because as time went on my opinion and his started
0: diverging a lot more. Like I say
1: I agree yep. with him like 60-65% of the time maybe. Like I, I got a lot more in line with like Stuckman who I think is very close to my personal tastes. So yeah
0: but, but it anyway. is interesting when you get a group of critics you start to go okay I'm watching this movie, and based on previous experiences, I know this critic is going to like it better than this critic. Or you find, like, okay, these are the tip-offs about this critic that will inform, you know, like, I know I don't agree with them on this one, so I'm going to ignore this certain criticism. Which I think is kind of the other, you know, appeal of film criticism. You learn to, you know, learn what your critics like and don't like their personal biases, and this better informs you. And I think it makes you a better, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, movie uh, consumer. Real quick, you learn to think about
1: just, just letting you know, your microphone has been kind of scratchy. You can cut this out later, but uh, just say if you can, I, I don't know, make it a little like closer or something. So, anyways. But you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've, I've said many times that with YouTube specifically or YouTubers or whatever you want to call it, those kind of content creators, part of the appeal, I feel like, is there's a genuineness about it. Like, it's uh, – how, how did – I was talking with Wundvog the other day, and he mentioned some, I think it was the maybe it was the TFS guys talking about this, I don't remember, or maybe it was the Smosh guys. They called it, it's a one-sided emotional relationship, like, yep, which I think sounds creepier than I mean it to. The idea that when you're engaging with people in that kind of medium, it's very easy to feel like you're having a connection to them, much more personal than you have with, like, movie stars or newscasters or anything like that. I think it's Part of it becomes down to budget, but also like – it's just something with that medium. And so film critics who use that medium specifically, I think, or a medium like that, can fall under the same kind of – for lack of a better term, trapping, where I watch enough of this person's uh, critique – I start getting a pretty good perspective on how they think about this. And, I, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not in any way claiming that watching a film critic over any course of time tells you who they are as a person. Like That's that's a, a stretch. But it does make a weird kind of connection where you can feel like, alright, I understand generally how this person approaches this one facet of their life apparently. And that can create a, a, an interesting kind of bond I think. Or at least the the illusion of a bond that's addictive does
0: that make sense yeah no it's a whole parasocial relationship it's a big thing so here's something interesting that i want to get your take on and i think it's funny that people will often get so angry at film critics for opinions that they disagree on (laughs) but you wouldn't they will not share that level of vitriol with your friends who disagree with you uh i mean i'm not it hadn't happened to me, but it's something I noticed, and it's interesting. I think that might come down to the power of anonymity and True. being able
1: to be basically safe from reprisal. Whereas, if I say a stupid opinion in front of you in person, you can hit me in the in the arm and be like, "That sucks." So, I'm. Try- I don't know if there's an example really that of that that you know in in our particular friendship, but I, I think I think I know what you're talking about there. Although the the fact is that
0: if you are a critic online, you have gotten all sorts of shit for, you didn't like this movie that I liked. How dare you, sir? You know what's sad about that? I love the uh,
1: the Ratatouille speech about criticism, yep. which I feel like conveys a lot of, kind of like what we're talking about, but in a much more digestible way. But one of the cool things about that, there's a little side mention. He talks about that good criticism is more risky than bad criticism, You know, when you're defending something new, but bad, but he mentions on this off note that bad criticism is fun to write and fun to read. What I think is interesting about that for this conversation is that when I try or when I review something, generally speaking, and usually when we record it, I I try my hardest to go out of the way to be like, this is how I feel. I don't in any way claim to be an objective voice on something. Even my most hated movie, period, The Amazing Spider Man. If there's a person out there who likes it, and apparently there are some, power to you. I'm literally not gonna sit here and try to take away your enjoyment from the thing just because I absolutely hate it. But just because I do that doesn't mean I'm always successful and doesn't mean that it's easy. So when you're writing a, a critique of something that you honestly don't like, it's a lot easier, fun, and usually profitable to use very extreme language uh, to use very objective language saying like this is bad rather than i feel this is bad which is you know wordy and when you use that kind of extreme and objective language it can feel a lot more to the people you're talking to who disagree with you like like you're arguing over a fact when you're arguing over an opinion like and then that leads to a whole nother set of problems there i mean there's already the basic problem of you really shouldn't be getting this kind of upset over stuff that is not really that important okay art is actually very important
0: but yeah but your opinion on it is not does not the reaction is not equivalent to what's being said or done and i think this is a direct result of the angry critic phase of the internet which was a thing there for a while that kind of you know did break down this movie is good this movie is bad there are no in-betweens this is good because this is bad because i
1: honestly i honestly feel like twilight might be the 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 poster child for this conversation that because we we both have come around i will say that it really was like Lindsay else's video that made me re-examine a lot of this and if you haven't seen Lindsay else's video on essentially the internet's entire response to Twilight. You should go watch it. It's wonderful. But basically, she she breaks it down to Twilight wasn't that bad. Like, it's not great. It's not good. But it it wasn't the level of vitriolic terrible that the internet treated it
0: as. but it didn't deserve what we did. And a lot of people have pointed out, like, the reason it got shit was because it was for teenage girls. And everyone hates teenage girls because... Reasons, long, complex, deeply societally ingrained reasons that neither of us are qualified to talk about.
1: Correct. My point of bringing that up is that even right now, right, I don't like Twilight. I've seen two of the movies. I have read all four of the books. I, so, and I think oh, it's all. Yeah. I, I don't like any of it. I, I don't. But uh I'm not going to say any more. I think it is like some objective piece of garbage because I know people who have enjoyed it whose opinions I do respect even though I disagree with them and who pulled something from it that you know I don't see but again I'm all about perspectives so
0: yeah no i think call this is a long way to say film opinions by and large are not worth getting in long protracted internet arguments over yeah so that's it's almost like in that regard i feel like you're
1: taking the appeal of criticism and Inverting it and you're making it like the lack of appeal in Christmas. Because the appeal, as far as I'm concerned, is in sharing language and sharing perspectives, in figuring out new enriching ways to uh enjoy something or even get enjoyment out of tearing apart something. Generally speaking, I'm of the opinion that if you like something that you can share how much you like it with anybody but if you don't like it you don't need to be sharing how much you don't like with people because I don't want to take enjoyment out of the world but if you are talking with someone who's a friend and you're both ripping apart something together then you have pulled enjoyment from something that you both think is bad that's that's magic that's freaking magic right there <laughs> and and those are like those are good powerful strengths of criticism and there's even one we haven't even touched on which is the ability of criticism to make the medium better the idea that we only criticize things that we care about really like if i don't care about the thing why am i going to waste the energy picking it apart and analyzing it I'm, I'm not going to if the reason why i'm so why i hate amazing spider-man so much is because i love spider-man and i love film i expect better from both those things so i'm gonna pick apart why amazing spider-man is terrible in the hopes that somehow my analysis or my feelings will lead to any future attempts at doing Spider-Man film to not make the same kind of mistakes, you know, which is, I guess, arrogant. Like, I don't, I don't honestly think my words are going to get to the people who matter. But, you know, putting them in the ether, like, you're trying to make everything better. It's, a, it's supposed to be a, a positive, incremental, progressive activity, not a destructive one where we just yell at each other
0: and tear each other down. Sorry, I, don't, I went off on tangent there. <laughs> nope, that works. Again, I don't know if we have a collective thesis here. Well, this was literally just supposed to be an exploration of our opinions on on
1: artistic criticism with a focus on film because that's the easiest one for us to wrap our heads around. Like don't get me wrong, I I've, I've met some abstract painters who tried to explain modern art to me. Like I literally mean from like a modernistic school which is the art that's usually made fun of in movies where it just looks like squiggles and stuff and i've had them explain it to me and i get it from like a objective perspective but i still don't get it if that makes any sense yep no it
0: makes perfect sense that's my dad's that's my dad's school of art and it's like i'm glad you like it and it works for you but i have no idea what's going on here so i i feel like my my conclusion here
1: is that criticism should always be additive, that even if you disagree with someone else's criticism, your response should be additive, not destructive. I generally like to respond to someone not with, you're wrong, here's why, but all right, you think this because of this, but I think this because of this. And that simple, I think, change in language makes the entire conversation, I think, more fun.
0: I don't know, one of my favorite things to do you know, the two things I movies is one I will go back and watch rewatch a review from one of my you know favorite critics of a movie I've just watched to see like oh now I know what they're talking about or if I really hate a movie I will go and try and find a positive review of it to figure out why someone else enjoyed this and I didn't yeah I've done that but again that's that's sharing perspectives so like I, I want mean, to know I mean we've talked many
1: times about like I don't actually get upset when uh, when Ulrich goes off on like, Scott Pilgrim, which is one of my favorite movies ever, because I have come to the understanding that he has a perspective that's different than mine, and that's fine. I don't expect him to like it. I don't think there's such a thing as an objectively, like, everyone likes this kind of movie. So,
0: no, it's people fun don't work like that.
1: Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I don't remember, or I don't know exactly where we're going with this, but uh, I think this is kind of a good a good rap point and I feel like there's a lot more angles we could go at this but I also I feel like we would risk covering repeating ground and I want to Ouroboros us so you have any I did my concluding thoughts you have any concluding thoughts
0: no I'm just gonna stick this in here real quick bucklers are a testing ground for full episode so if episodes like this do really well we can expand it into a full episode we can talk more things that's But bucklers are our testing ground for new ideas and ideas that's just like, eh, we can't really make a full episode out of this. And I think this was a great, you know, buckler. And like this is an idea that we could probably not stretch to a full hour without repeating ourselves heavily. Well, I do feel like it'd be interesting if we could find
1: someone who's like we're podcasters, right? As podcasters, sometimes we review things. I'd be interested in getting a actual like movie reviewer. That is their job to pick their brain on this topic.
0: Ooh, that would be fun. All right, if this does well, I'll see about getting us an actual movie critic. Anyway, so thank you for
1: listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all those things that we're supposed to ask you to do at the end of a podcast, because if you do them, then more people might see us. And if more people see us and what we do, then we will see those numbers and we'll grow and we'll do more things.
0: And the best way to help us grow is by following us or sharing us on the following accounts. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, PocketCast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Want to help us more? Let us know what podcast hosting site we should be on so we can get on there. As always, this has been Axel Wright and his shield brother, Lord Commander Orc.
1: Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.